All right, welcome everybody to another episode of our Labs Open Office Hour. This week we're joined by Matt Bach, uh, our resident content creation software, ex- hardware, software, hard- hardware, software expert. I don't know. Come up with a job title that actually fits everything. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so t- uh, this week we're that's that's what we're here for is um, kind of like the Adobe Suite. Um, DaVinci Resolve, that sort of a thing. Um, there have been quite a lot of, of hardware changes, driver, weird driver things going on. Um, it's been an interesting end of the year and beginning to a new year, I think. So this will be a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, yeah, there's so much going on. I mean, there's all the CPU launches. There's all the GPU launches, assuming you can get a card, of course. Or um, CPU. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or CPU. Um, like Adobe's been making a whole lot of changes to like Premiere Pro. Um, like you mentioned, the GPU drivers, that's been a major thing. I, I guess just straight and center, if anyone has any problems with their computer right now, uh, make sure you're not running the game-ready drivers from NVIDIA. Only mm-hmm. use the studios. The, the current latest game-ready drivers are just totally messed up for yeah. like anything content creation around. So use studio drivers only you don't need the that like 10 percent performance increase in hitman or, or whatever like forget that it's not worth it that's a perfect soundbite for later i'm gonna cut that out that's oh great great <laughs> if you're having any problems just use the studio drivers it's yeah perfect. i'm pretty sure that's what like our support team like like, like, like number one thing I, I i'm on a whole bunch of subreddits you know editing subreddits and stuff and every single one now is like someone says i'm having a problem and it's immediate response from you know, there's a couple people that like are always constantly responding on Reddit, and it's like every single one's just like, "You're probably using game ready drivers. Don't. They're broken." That's smart. I mean, yeah. which I mean makes sense considering the like the, I guess the concept there yeah. is like game ready drivers come out day of launch. They're like the most bleeding edge driver you can get. That's supposed to be optimized for whatever game just came out that day or whatever, but the studio drivers are like tested and verified and mm-hmm. solid stable so. yeah in fact um i forget where it was it was on some like official nvidia page maybe even like if you go to download the drivers and you ask like oh there's like a question mark like what is game ready in studio i think it even mm-hmm. says on the game ready that like um these drivers are developed right up until the minute that they publish it it's oh like, yeah, yeah oh that's that's not good <laughs> like knowing that they were working on it up until the minute that they launched the driver for the public yeah. is not good for like stability and stuff maybe for like performance like you said for those games that just launched but yeah studio yeah. drivers are the ones that they actually do validation with like premiere pro and davinci resolve i don't think quite to the level of the quadro drivers but mm. we haven't had any driver issues with the studio drivers so it's enough right but, on yeah Oh, cool. Yeah. Andrew Stevenson photo uh, from YouTube. He says, reinstalling the NVIDIA drivers fixed his 8K editing in Premiere Pro. And he says, thanks for the advice on the community page. Awesome. Great. Thank you. Um, I'm glad to hear that because that's that's a big reason why we have that page there is for that sort of thing. And so I'm glad it was helpful. Yeah. Uh, I have to say my favorite is always the Photoshop 
uh, hardware, <laughs> in particular the GPU articles, because it could really just be boiled down to one sentence, um, as long as you have a graphics card, right? Yeah, I think we even say that in the conclusion of all of ours. <laughs> but it's not as bad as Lightroom, though. Um, oh, yeah? We did... We, we finally stopped doing Lightroom. We, we did a, little, a round of Lightroom testing for GPU just to make sure that everything was the same. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of a pain because like NVIDIA did like a rolling launch of their cards and we felt like, oh, well, we should probably keep testing it throughout this whole rolling launch. We finally stopped because it was like, no, it's no different. And sometimes having the GPU off is faster than having the GPU on. So wow. yeah, we're not going to worry about that. <laughs> but yeah, it. Photoshop, at least there's like a 10% gain with a GPU versus not having a GPU. But after that, yeah, it's 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 all the same. No, like <laughs> GPU testing, Premiere Pro is always a little interesting because you do see some gains, especially now they added a GPU encoding like six months ago and GPU decoding like two or three months ago. So mm -hmm. um, that's uh, processing of like H.264 and H.265 or HEVC media can be done on the GPU now. And that's that's huge. Like right. that is massive. There's still, some, there's still some caveats there, right? Like certain certain flavors, flavors. is like 444 or something isn't you can't yeah. do that, or 422, you can't do that. Something like that. I remember yeah, seeing comments exactly. along the line. Yeah, it's, it's not color depth i don't know what you call that because but yeah like 422 and 4044 aren't supported by pretty much anything whether it's uh nvidia amd or intel quicksync which is you know adobe supported intel quicksync for decoding for a long time right uh, but i don't think that supports it either but the problem is that like no one none of them like advertise that like nvidia even has right. um if you want to share my screen sure. uh matrix I'll search for it. They, they've got a really great page. Oh, well, okay. That was a link to a link. <laughs> there we go. Uh, a great page of their uh, encode and decode GP support matrix. And if you go in here, like it gives you all this information. So you can be like, okay, well, I have a 3080. And it'll tell you like, oh yeah, H264 supported for decoding. But like, there's no information on like flavors of it. Right. Um, so like, if you go over here to the H65, they actually say like 420 is supported for 8 to 12 bit. And 444, they don't list 422 in there, which probably means it isn't. But like huh. the H264, unfortunately, like they don't say anything, but I'm pretty sure it's just 420. Yeah. So yeah, it, it is annoying. Um, and it actually, th there's even more complication built into it. Um, if you do like multi-cam, so multiple streams at once on screen, mm -hmm. uh, the different video cards support different things. So most of like the GeForce cards, they actually have um, only one chip for decoding and it can only do one stream. Wow. Uh, that doesn't mean that you can only do like one stream of video because uh, it, it's hard to explain, but basically like, you know, it's processing how many frames per second. And even if you have four streams, if it can do it, it can do like this frame, then that one, then that one. Whoa. Well, okay, where am I? This one, then that one, then this one, and you know, and all that. It can do it like kind of in series and still display each on time, mm. um, sometimes. But until you get up to like higher FPS media, like sixty FPS, then it kind of like falls apart. So, in fact, if you right here, I'll, I'll bring something else up. Hey. Um, if you go to like one of our most recent GPU articles, um, this, so this one was this one in particular was about the 6900 XT, the AMD card. That's why it's green here. Uh, but if you ignore like these full results and you go into the, you know, the numbers, everyone likes numbers, yeah. right? Oh, sure. Yeah. 
but specifically uh, this the second line here, uh, the multicam at full res. You'll uh-huh. see that the AMD cards get like 50 FPS or so. so and then the, the NVIDIA cards get like 10. That's weird. Um, and that's because these NVIDIA cards only support one stream at a time. So if you throw at it four streams of 60 FPS, it can't keep up. Uh, versus the AMD cards, from what I understand, there's no limitation. So it's just as much as it can do. Um, so AMD cards are actually a little bit better at multicam for for some of these. Um, usually, like from our testing, like 60 FPS, it can matter like this. If you're just doing like 24 FPS, it doesn't seem to be any different between the two. So it doesn't really matter. Um, but... But yeah, so like that's even a factor. Like, well, what does QuickSync support? I don't know. They don't publish it. Um, so it's a pain. Um, and like Quadro cards are also interesting because the uh, Quadro 4000 and 5000, like their mid-tier ones, support multiple streams of decoding at the same time. So they, they give great performance, like those AMD cards. But if you go up to like the RTX 6000, the more expensive one, it only supports one stream. So then it's bad again. It's very strange. It's, it's very strange, and it, this those kind of nuances that are really hard to know, like on your own. Yeah. Um, that's one of the reasons why I'm I'm not worried about like our consulting ever not like needing to exist. You know, even oh, if we like publish sure. all these articles and stuff, it's because there's all those little nuances, like, mm-hmm. and it's going to be different for everyone. That's yeah. why we always ask, like, hey, what codex do you record in? That's right. Because that's going to influence everything. So we do have a question from YouTube. Yeah. Dresden Simon asks, how much RAM would I need for 4K 30 FPS video editing in Resolve? Um, let me look at our Resolve recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> I can never remember numbers. Yeah. Let's see. 4K we recommend for RAM, like system RAM. Uh, scroll down, scroll down, scroll down. Uh, 32 gigs. Okay. Um, as, a, as a starting the, point, though, right? Yeah, that, that's like that. That will do it. Uh, but you know, just like anything in a computer, like if you also want to have Premiere open or a hundred Chrome tabs, you know, that's gonna <laughs> take up stuff. So that's like what you need to actually like edit 4K and resolve most of the time. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, in any of these applications, if you throw at it enough other stuff, like it's sure. gonna, you know be a problem um so that's like the starting point i would say if you really can do 64 gigs ram's not that expensive these days um and especially because resolve is starting to leverage the fusion section more and more uh for like motion graphics even like your titles and stuff Mm -hmm. and that stuff if you're ever editing the fusion um you know things having more ram helps because it'll actually cache each frame into ram i'm not sure if that's a default setting or a setting you should yes enable but um caching into ram is super important uh so you want pretty much as much ram as you can for that kind of stuff all right and then we're going to move right on to another one from andrew stevenson photo he says one of the softwares i use predominantly is lightroom time lapse for creating time lapses have you ever tested that and he goes on to comment, it uses all 32 cores of my 3970X and it speeds up everything. Also, Lightroom uses all 32 cores. One hour workflow is down to five minutes now. Yeah, Lightroom, I'm assuming that Lightroom time-lapse, I, I, I'm guessing it's just doing a whole bunch of exports. It's not like some, oh, or is it an actual application? Is LR Lightroom time-lapse? Not just a plugin, huh? Oh, no, it's an actual whole application. So I don't know if you mean like you're just doing a whole bunch of exports in Lightroom or if you're actually using this application called LR Time Lapse 
Uh, he did specify LR time lapse. Yeah, so I, I'm guessing it's actually that. But I, I'm guessing that it just uh, does a whole bunch of uh, videos or pictures, and it's exporting it to like a, a specific codec. But yeah, that kind of stuff is where you can really uh, ad take advantage of having a huge number of CPU cores. Um, some of those, if I, I don't, I've, I have no experience with this application, um, but it, I would imagine that if they added like a GPU encoding. Man, you'd see a massive performance increase there too, because that that will let your CPU handle the processing of the images, and then let your GPU handle the um, actually encoding it to like H six sixty four and stuff. Ooh, I have yeah. no idea if this does it. It hopefully because I think a lot of like AMD and Nvidia they try to make it very accessible mm -hmm. to do that kind of stuff. But but that's that's cool. That kind yeah, of stuff is amazing. Here. Yeah, and hearing yeah. that it went from one hour to five minutes. Like that's the kind of like nuts things that are like amazing. Yeah, uh, that always blows my mind when it's like you guys save me like pie jerseys. Is like over the course of a year, I probably saved two hundred and fifty hours. Like, yeah, that's like like two months. Or, you know, like this is a long time. Yeah, that's a long. I mean, that's a lot of money too. Like being able to save that much time. How many jobs does that let you take on? Like if you're a freelancer, say, how many things does that let you take on? Or even if you're working for, you know, a, a company, well, how much more efficient does that make you? Which means you should be able to take on more things, which means that they should pay you more. Right. So you right. you got to ask for those raises. <laughs> right. Yeah. What, what's been the most standout thing for you, this this particular hardware launch? Because I think we're, we're pretty much done, right? There's no... Yeah, because no, no. we had... We had the AMD Ryzen CPUs launched. Um, then we had the NVIDIA, the RTX 3000 series cards. Like we had, the yeah, so rolling. Um, and then we had the AMD uh, Radeon 6800 and 6900X launch, which again mm -hmm. was rolling. I hate all these GPU rolling launches. Yeah. I'm sure it's great for like NVIDIA and AMD, and it's great for like. Um, like tech reviewers maybe because they get to have constant streaming content sure but man it's annoying uh, <laughs> but out of like hardware side probably ryzen was the biggest thing like that yeah. changed so much for us yeah um because like, like the gpus is like okay well we were selling the 2080 ti before now now we're just going to sell the 3080 great like and there's no real change like nvidia is still better for pretty much all of these things mm -hmm. um amd just isn't good um and but it, it was for the cpu side um it pretty much the amd ryzen the, the latest gen things um pretty much killed the intel x series intel's uh high performance desktop stuff yeah i don't know when we sold one i'm sure we've sold <laughs> one because it has like still a few areas where it's useful in but like yeah. it pretty much just killed that entire product line jeez that's the x like x299 stuff right yeah, the SC99 stuff. Well, because, like, um, here, you can share again. Uh, I'll go here. Um, but so this was the article when these 5000 series launched. And so the, the darker red is these these new Ryzen CPUs. Uh, and then a lot of these ones up here, these blues, are the X, X series from Intel. Mm -hmm. But, like, see, like, the 5900X is faster than the 10980XE. And I think it's, like... Jeez, what's the price? Probably half. Yeah, let's see. At least uh, the 10980XE was wicked expensive. Yeah, for basically $550 versus a thousand. So, yeah, about half the cost. Half the cost, and it's a hair faster. It's like, yep, no one's going to buy that. <laughs> there's technically is, there's, there are still some advantages. Um, 
but like also like the X series doesn't have PCIe Gen 4 support. So like GPU performance is a hair lower too. Um, if you need super fast storage, which not many people need, like not many people actually need the storage that's like, you know, seven gigs a second right now. Right. Like the, most of that's completely extra, right? but it's still cool. <laughs> it is. It is. I like it. Those uh, with the Sabrent rockets. I've been eyeing one of those myself. Yeah. Well, even the, what, what are the uh, Samsung 980? Uh, what are those are we, even? Because we're are we, are we allowed to talk about uh, 11th gen Intel? I, I admit um, I, I didn't go through the full NDA document, so I'm not sure what we're allowed to, to say or not. Yeah, I don't know what's public and what's not. Um, I do know. Oh, here. How about this? We'll we'll look at a leak. Yeah, there you go. That's not us. I don't I don't know if this is true or not. It's just like the first leak. Uh, They say quarter one. So I don't know. They say, oh, the big the big thing with a lot of the leaks is that it's fewer cores. It's only eight cores instead of ten. Okay. Um. But supposedly the frequency is higher, and people are anticipating that the single core performance is going to be higher. So, Ooh. assuming that this leak is correct, which <laughs> yeah, never you know we're never just going by whatever this first leak says. If it is a lower core count but higher single core performance, that could still be very interesting. Um, that that should be good for gaming because most games don't use more than a handful of cores. Mm-hmm. Um, some workflows like uh, Photoshop. Or um, especially a lot, of, like a lot of CAD stuff, engineering stuff, it yeah. should be good for. Um, the question is that: is it going to be enough? Because the AMD Ryzen stuff is faster than 10th gen right now for single thread. So yeah. a- Intel is going to have to pull ahead by a decent amount to in order to to like outpace AMD because they're going to have to. They can't just match single core performance because if they just match single core performance. That means that you're giving up all of this like multi-core performance, you know, that like you might use in some workflows in order to get the same performance in others, then it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's a good battle right now. I'm, yeah. I'm hoping now that AMD's kind of they put it's clear that they've been putting so much effort into their CPU game to in order to catch up to Intel. Um I'm hoping now that they're able to to I guess split focus because they they still gotta keep the gas on. CPUs, um, but then now they still got to kind of come up on on GPU side, and I feel like that's going to be kind of rough. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, AMD has been very focused on the gaming side of things for GPUs, at least with their mm-hmm. Radeon line, um, right. and it would require a big shift from them to really <laughs> take on content creation kind of stuff. I do know that they are doing some, because, uh, I mean, they have their whole Radeon Pro line that is intended for a lot of that stuff, but yeah, we just haven't seen anything all that impressive. Um, like even right now, we're doing uh, some testing with the new Quadro. The or sorry, it's not a Quadro now. Oh, the right. RTX A six thousand. They dropped that name. Yeah, they're dropping the the Quadro naming, and now it's just RTX A six thousand. It's going to be very confusing. Um, well, and the A is for Ampere, or right? yes, I think so. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Um, not not for the the that card because I mean we'll have articles coming out here pretty soon. But for the um, we also included the uh, WX ninety one hundred and the Radeon Pro seven, oh. which also is very confusing. Nvidia is not the only people who are bad at naming because I hate how AMD has the Radeon seven and then the Radeon Pro seven. 
Yeah. Like we even had people in our labs department, like I'm trying to install the drivers for the Radeon 7 Pro, but it's not working. It's like, oh, because I have the Radeon 7, not the Radeon 7 Pro. Ah. Uh, but everybody's kind of goofing their naming because like, yeah. why did why did NVIDIA put out a 3060 Ti only to turn around and put out a regular 3060 that's better? Yeah. With more RAM and stuff. Yeah, that's going to be super weird. But, but back to this thing. Uh, basically, yeah. <laughs> it was even the pro AMD cards are well behind the NVIDIA Quadros, which are also then in terms of pure performance, because Quadro and GeForce is not about performance, really. But the um, the Quadro cards perform a little bit below the GeForce. Hmm. So that means that even like the, the pro AMD cards can't keep up with NVIDIA either. So it's not just a matter of like driver optimizations. It's like architecture level things. And probably a lot of it is being able to work with software developers like Adobe and Blackmagic. Like NVIDIA, from what I hear, they do a very good job of working with software developers to make sure that they're getting all of the performance they can out of their cards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you can't really, like, it seems like, you know, you look on forums and stuff, a lot of people like to blame Adobe. I don't think it's as much Adobe's <laughs> fault because Adobe is going to take whatever resources they can get to make their product right. better. And if mm-hmm. NVIDIA is saying, here's CUDA, that's like really great. Here's great documentation and everything. Here's how you can get the best performance. Yeah, of course, they're going to take that and use it. Yeah. Um, but if AMD or Intel or whoever doesn't provide quite the level of documentation and assistance, like they only have so much time. Oh, they they yeah. can't they can't devote their entire dev team to like, Hey, let's try to make it better on our own for the next month. Right. Like, that's just wasted money. Yeah. And, and I definitely think that that's why NVIDIA has kind of taken the lead in, in mm-hmm. a lot of those GPU accelerated applications. I mean, it's not just like after effects and, you know, visual effects, it's machine learning and everything else mm-hmm. too. Well, and yeah. NVIDIA too, I, I think NVIDIA has the advantage of being very focused as a company. Like they do mm-hmm. GPUs. Like th- I mean, they do other things too. They do stuff sure. like cars and or whatever and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But they're not as fragmented as AMD or Intel. Mm-hmm. Like Intel has you know CPUs, but also workstations and Internet of Things and all this other <laughs> junk. AMD Why? has. Yeah, AMD has, you know, the Ryzen line, the Threadripper line, the now Threadripper Pro and Epic and GPUs that are workstation and enterprise, like, and every single one of those are their own teams. Like NVIDIA just has like GeForce Quadro. Yep. Well, and then also like Tesla and Grid and all those other things, but they don't like matter to like content creation. Right. Like, uh, so. Cool. Good conversation. Yeah, sorry, I guess. Steven. Yeah, yeah I was no, just that, watching the comments too. Yeah, the 3060 RAM change was due to bus speed, 192 versus 256. Interesting. Yeah, the throughput width. Yeah, it, it is. It's really interesting. But I, I guess for anyone who's here, like the 3060 has 12 gigs of RAM, VRAM, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas even the 3080 only has 10 gigs. Right. So you have to, if you need a lot of VRAM, which is, you know, a thing, like uh, 12 gigs is. Uh, because like 10 gigs is like right on the edge for a lot of 4K editing. So right. we sell a lot of 3080s for 4K editing, but there are some people, especially in like DaVinci Resolve, if they do a lot of like noise reduction and stuff, it cannot be enough. So it's kind of this weird spot where like, okay, I could give up a ton of performance, but not have Resolve like give me out of memory errors and like halt my working. But I have to give up a lot of performance. Yeah. <laughs> or well, they have to spend the money to get a 3090. And how does that it, yeah. It just it opens up a really weird 
like where do you spend your like what what do you buy because yeah it's just weird yeah (laughs) we have a question from facebook this time this is new cody uh lovorn asks hey guys do you get many build requests from individuals or is it mainly companies teams what are we at now I want to say we're like, are we 50 50? I think it's fairly close. Yeah. Yeah. Is that yeah, mo- yeah. Cause I mean, so most orders I would say come from individuals because uh, a lot of like teams and stuff, they buy quantity. They'll buy, right. you know, six or 20 or whatever, however many they need for their teams. Um, so most, like if you're just looking at the number of orders, I think most are actually individual uh, units. It's probably about 50 50. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's always interesting the individual ones because that's where you really got to dive in and learn like what their workflow is because they can't afford to like spend extra money I guess it's kind of weird but like a lot of businesses like it's it's uh they'll be like oh yeah we'll spend an extra 500 bucks to make sure that like it'll work for any workflow we do in the future whereas a lot of individuals they need to optimize things for exactly what they do today because they have a limited budget but but yeah it's probably 50 50 we do a ton Oh, we have a question from YouTube. Yeah, B A S S M M Q. Basam. Yeah. Uh, how do you download a lot of programs at once when setting up a new device? I use Ninite, but the issue is that it does not have all the programs I need. Uh, I can answer that two ways. Company, like us, Puget Systems as a company, and myself personally. Uh, I'll do personal first. I just don't install much stuff. Like. My computer, let's see, what do I have installed? I've got like Chrome, Slack, uh, Atom uh, code editor, and then like Adobe stuff. And like the Adobe stuff is all kind of its own thing. So I just, I don't, I used to install a ton of stuff and I would use like 992, but I've just found that so much stuff I just don't use anymore. Like so much stuff is web-based now. What do I use and do you use anything? Uh, I, everything for the few times that I have to start fresh and download everything. Um, I'm, I do it old school one at a time. Like I go to the website, download it, install it. Uh, And that's everything. That's drivers. That's all Mm -hmm. steam and origin, all that stuff. Everything that I use is one at a time, just manually. I guess I I think about nine, nine a lot, but. I'm I'm staring down that barrel right now. I have to. I have so many weird. I've swapped storage drives a bunch, and so now I have a bunch of installed programs that don't exist. And so it's just. <laughs> yeah, I actually had an issue yesterday where Windows was stuck in high contrast mode. So like all the text was weird color, and there's weird like borders and stuff. And I still I can't turn it off. Like if I try to turn it off, it says I like, cannot apply this theme. So um, I found there's like some workarounds. You gotta reactivate Windows. That's why no, you can't change your themes. No, it's some like actual like it's like a it gives you an error message and stuff. But like there's workarounds. You just have to like apply a custom theme. Eh, but whatever. So I probably should reinstall. But yeah. um, I'll answer that question also from the Puget System side, like how we handle customers. Um, mm-hmm. We actually have a custom like install program that we use that um, we basically keep packages that we maintain ourselves on our NAS and it downloads whatever packages apply to that order based on either specs or like if they requested specific software um, or whatever benchmarks we need to run. It installs those packages all automated um, for like benchmarks. It all automates all the benchmarks and then it cleans things at the end and everything. So for that, we have our own. It's, it's similar to like Ninite, but 
just more control because we need to install whatever we need to. There you go. Awesome. Let's see. Um, oh, and Cody had asked for a little more clarification uh, on his question. So you, you get on a call with an individual and talk it out. Absolutely. And on our website, there's um, a whole bunch of things where there's like contact us things, like little uh, forms. You just put your name in and whatever. Um, I think if you save a quote, I think they automatically try to get in touch with you um, or you can request a thing or just call. But yeah, we actually try to get every single customer on the phone because there is so much you can learn on a phone call versus even like a giant email exchange. It's like 10 minutes on the phone. It, man, it saves you so much time. It, it really does. I mean, just like you were saying a few minutes back, like there's so many kind of wiggly nuances that like put just trying to do it all yourself is it's possible. Sure. But you probably aren't going to get the best configuration that you mm-hmm. can't for your dollar without just having that personal touch. Yeah. Well, and I think also too, our, our consultants are very good about, um, I don't know if I want to say ferreting out the information they need, but they, they know what questions to ask, things that like you probably wouldn't even think about. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't even think about because I'm not a consultant, but they, they know how to you know get out of you the information that they need to not only get you like the right CPU and, and GPU, but like, well, how much storage and like how should you like separate that storage? Like, is it multiple drives or should you have it all in one drive or like? Um, they'll ask you about things like, well, do you have NAS, like a, a local NAS, or like, are you intending on having a local NAS for like your video projects if you're a video editor or or what? Like, do you need Wi-Fi? Do you not want Wi-Fi? Because honestly, myself, I always disable Wi-Fi because I have a wired computer. Right. And, you know. That actually brings up an interesting question. So there is, uh, we have a video that's a few years old now um, regarding setting up storage uh, in your PC. Uh, And I do, as a social media guy, I keep an eye on comments and things like that. So I'm curious, is there an update to that? Is that still the best advice available? Um, It does mention mention some platter drives and things like that. So I imagine you could swap, you know, the older western digital red or whatever for a current ssd but beyond that is there i think there's some things and and honestly like videos i mean just like articles you always have to look at when they were put up Um, yeah i think it's from 2017 yeah that's pretty old like we at least on our articles they all have an automatic once they're i think two years old it gives a big flag at the top saying like this information is probably out of date um i think i don't know of any other like hardware reviewers or whatever that have a notification like that but they all should um and we also have a way of automatically flagging ones if there's newer stuff um fortunately we don't have that for like youtube but uh i think the biggest thing that's changed in storage is over the last three years let's say is that NVMe drives are a lot cheaper and more reliable than they were when they first came out. Um, the biggest thing that that's affected for us is we've moved most of our primary drives, like the drive that your OS is on in your applications, most of those now default to using an NVMe drive. Um, mm. And it's like most of the time moving from like a SATA SSD, that's like 500 megs a second is the speed to an NVMe, which are anywhere from three to five gigs a second or higher. So it's insanely faster. 
Uh, but most of the time, it's not actually that much faster in the real world because things are having to go through the CPU to be essentially unpacked. Like if you launch an EXE, it has to unpack all that information into your RAM and you know actually right. use it. Most of that stuff is still CPU limited now. Um, so the biggest thing really is yeah, we've moved those to NVMe for the OS drive just for that little bit of extra performance. And honestly, it makes like our production department so much easier when you take a little thing that's like the size of a stick of gum and you just like plug it in and that's it yeah. that's so much more work than you know installing a ssd with screws and having to run a power cable and a data cable um and not even just for production but for like support and shipping like everything becomes so much easier to move to these m.2 drives so Seriously. we've started doing that for os drives by default nice um that's really the biggest thing most of the other things like you know, media hasn't really changed that much for like video editors. Like, yeah, some people are going up to 8K, but you know, 8K now is the same as 8K two years ago. So it's a lot of those recommendations are all still kind of the same. And like cache files are good to have it on NVMe, but it's not required. So. Okay. This is a good one. Uh, so Deddy on Twitch asks, how come the technology articles on the webpage are not so, uh, sorted in alphabetical order? Oh God, that'd order? be terrible. Uh, because it would be too favorable for AMD. Let's say that. <laughs> And Adobe. <laughs> How would you be able to find anything if it was sorted? Um, we do. You might be asking about like the filters on the side. Um, so on our article page, yeah, we have filters down the side so you can more easily get to whatever you want. Um, those are sorted by how many articles we have on those topics. Mm. Um, so like processors is the top one because we have more pro articles about processors than anything else. Um, the other thing that's really interesting, I've always found this interesting, is our article listing pages are not actually used that much. Um, like some people use them, but it's something nuts where like 90 something percent of traffic for articles, it's probably like 99% or something, comes yeah. from like Google. Google or oh, links. Like direct, direct. Yeah, it's direct oh. to those things. So it's not actually people coming to our listing pages. I so. use the listing page a I lot. I use them. Yeah. It's but most where... most people, they're looking for an answer to a question. And what do you do when you have a question? You yeah. Google it or you use Bing. I, I guess some people use Bing <laughs> or DuckDuckGo or whatever. And that you know tells you where to find the answer. So yeah. we spend most of our time optimizing for like search engine stuff rather than like our own internal things. We, we, we do have some plans for uh, updating some of those pages at some point, but like pure functionality, I don't think is gonna change much. It'd be nice to like to have that filter, have like hey. a, a text field though, so you could type something. If the search part at the top would just return results in a date uh, date sorted, like most oh, recent, because nice. it's all over the place. Because I think it returns, uh, like, well, it's sort of it's like sort of Google results, and so you'll get new stuff mixed with old stuff. That yeah, it, it that that be search. Relevant. If yeah. you ever get John on a, a stream again, ask him about that search because it's super weird. Like it's some really old like Google API that's like stopped being supported like ten years ago or something, <laughs> and so like it, it's really weird. Uh, we're actually kind of mid-migration of our, our whole website to use uh, WordPress because mm -hmm. um, right now it's all like in-house custom stuff and we're moving over to WordPress. And that I think will be is something that we can actually do in WordPress like right. <laughs> it's amazing how much like web pages, not, not just our own, but like in general or like Adobe applications. So much stuff is like really old stuff, but it works. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that's why a lot of people are like, oh, how come Adobe's so terrible at multi-threading, blah, blah, blah. It's like you guys don't realize it's like 20-year-old code deep, deep into the core of yeah. that thing. You can't really change stuff without rewriting everything. Yeah. 
And those applications are amazingly complex. (laughs) Like they are insane. And like, I think that's one of the reasons why they, um, for Lightroom, they released the new Lightroom version and then they renamed the current, the old one to Lightroom Classic in order to add like mobile support and stuff. I think a lot of it was just because they're like, this is like, because Lightroom, honestly, like, because we've done some stuff with like plugins and stuff and it's Mm kind of one of the, hardest ones to deal with interesting and so that might be why they just they're like we're starting fresh like, i always did it. wonder the difference between whatever lightroom and lightroom classic I, I it's the only really one that's really it. weird because they have like premiere rush like the version of mm-hmm. premiere pro that is for mobile but it's separate like you can't run it on desktop right but the lightroom uh lightroom cc that one can run on uh, mobile devices or tablets and it can run on desktop so that's the mm-hmm. one that's kind of weird that you can do both huh. it kind of makes sense because like you take a bunch of pictures you might like do some light editing on like a tablet or something and it's all in the cloud so right. all, it's stored in the cloud so it's, it's nice that you can go to your desktop it's missing a lot of features that the like a uh, full lightroom classic has but how did we get so to this we've got a few well <laughs> talking we have a few questions so um yeah, Basam asks, uh, what do you think of the uh, Samsung 870 Cuvo? And I have noticed recently that we have included Cuvo um, drives from Samsung as an option, or we had at one point. Um, and that was interesting to me because it's, from what I, I understand, it's, it's somewhat of a uh, like budget option. I, feel, I, I think there's something that has like significantly fewer read write operations or something like that. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I'm even like searching our Slack for like, because I'm trying to remember. I know yeah, from it, a it per- like- personal standpoint, they're fine. Like, they're just, I, they suppose they're rated to last yeah, not as long, but otherwise yeah. they're the same as the Evos. Yeah, and the thing with storage too is like, Samsung is already so reliable. They're so great. They're they're so good that I don't know if many people need that. Like servers, yes. If you're like pulling database crap off of it constantly and they're doing constant tiny reads and writes, absolutely. Uh, But like for a workstation, um, I I did see, I found a thing where they asked, uh, someone asked like all of our labs team, like, hey, how interested are you in like the 870 QVO for for our recommended systems, Mm -hmm. like one to 10? I think we said like, ah, two? So that, that tells you our interest from like a workstation standpoint. Yeah, it's got its uses. Um, personally, I would rather have like a like a nine sixty uh, or what do they have now? Pro. The nine eighty pros. Mm-hmm. I would much rather have one of those. Man. All right, DV from YouTube asks: Is there much a difference between four point GPUs versus three point And I'm I'm guessing PCIe, PCIe. generations there. Hmm. <laughs> Oh, for trying to keep this stream on video editing, which I don't think we are anymore, yeah. uh, I would say no. Um, it doesn't make a huge difference. Maybe a little bit in DaVinci Resolve. Um, there are going to be some things like uh, people that are doing rendering. Um, so like, uh, what do you call it? Offline rendering, Octane mm-hmm. Render, V-Ray, that kind of stuff. I think that can make a bigger deal. But most of the time, like the speed of the bus doesn't make a big difference. Like we've even done articles looking at like, well, what if you go from X16 to X8 and on Gen 3? And like, it's yeah, it's no different or it's 1% different. <laughs> and um, and then adding Gen 4, like, yeah, doubling the throughput isn't going to make a big deal. Uh, so most of the time, it doesn't make a big impact. Um, usually it's the platform you're using, like the entire platform that's going to make a bigger deal. Like using Ryzen 
over the X series from Intel, like we were talking about at the beginning of the stream, it's not faster because it has Gen 4. Like that Gen 4 maybe adds like a percent. It's faster because the <laughs> CPU is way, way, way better. So like if you have the option for Gen 4, yeah, use it. But I wouldn't make any real decisions off of whether the fact something was Gen 3 or Gen 4. Um, even like the video cards themselves, you know, looking at the, you know, 2080 versus the 3080, the power of the GPU itself is going to far outstrip the fact that it's Gen 4 or Gen 3. So like putting that in a Gen 3 board, eh, it's the same thing. Right. I'm curious too, like if, if we're going to end up almost skipping over 4.0, because isn't 5 coming soon they like yeah, i think they like held up on far, four for so long that the five standard like was approved and i feel yeah, like it's it, not going to make much difference uh, i want to say that even some of the like rocket like leaks say it's supposed to be gen 5 which i don't know but yeah yeah it, it's gonna be yeah the thing though with all of these kind of a lot of this stuff, like Gen, you know, Gen Four, Gen Five, Gen Six, eventually, and like storage speeds. You know, the fact that we're getting up to eight ter- or eight gigs a second. So much of that stuff just turns it into a non-factor. Like yeah. it's fast enough that it doesn't matter yeah. because your CPU is going to be the limitation, or the speed of your RAM, or the speed of your VRAM on your video card, or just how fast you can process. You know, all these other things are going to become a problem well before, you know, at this point, the you know PCIe generation or the speed of your storage drive yeah. matters. Um, like there are going to be some places like storage speed can matter if you're like copying from one drive to another then yeah having a really fast drive matters um or like the pcie bus it could make a big deal if you're doing something that has to like jump across from one card to another so kind of what NVLink is is doing but like at a more native level uh but that kind of stuff like that doesn't factor in for gaming or yeah. you know video editing. It's gonna be like some machine learning stuff that you're writing your own code for. It's like it's like the highway speed limit is a hundred, but your car can only do eighty. So what's the point? But the other way. Or, yeah. <laughs> your car can go hundred, but the speed limit is eighty. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you take a Ferrari onto like into a school zone, you still gotta go twenty. Uh, oh, here's a good one from Hakan Broderlund on YouTube. He says, Matt, Resolve 17 beta is supposed to have a more open API for automation. Uh, have they opened up to benchmark timeline performance again? Honestly, I haven't done anything with Resolve 17 beta because everything I've heard is it's a nightmare. <laughs> I've only heard like people talk about how, like, how much it crashes and terrible and everything so i'm kind of waiting well, until that actually hits launch it's kind um, of to be expected you know beta, beta. software right yeah but i think uh a lot of black magic users resolve users have gotten a little bit spoiled because uh they're usually their betas are pretty solid hmm. but this one i think part of it might be because they're trying to add the native m1 support the apple m1 oh, um, right. and so that's probably causing some issues in there so this one's not as reliable but long term i really want to add back in those timeline performances into resolve um i did see yeah i I saw a little bit about their um their api having some more stuff so i will we will look into that again uh right now we're focusing really heavily on our adobe stuff um I, I just finished a big update to the Premiere Pro benchmark, which isn't public yet, but will be soon. Um, that'll, that's oh, it's such a good update. Um, and then we want to tackle Photoshop next. Um, there's some stuff in there we want to tackle. 
and we might do After Effects after that, and then Resolve. Because the Resolve one, is, it's pretty good um, for like knowing the relative performance between different CPUs and GPUs. Um, it does have the problem of like, yeah, if you care about timeline performance, what should you buy? But honestly, our Premiere Pro benchmark has that. And I wouldn't trust it because, you know, even if you do like, oh, yeah, I use H.264 footage, our benchmark probably doesn't apply to you because, like, we're testing a certain bit rate at a certain bit depth with, you know, all this other stuff. And even from, like, one camera to a next, like, if you had even the same settings of H.264 from one, like, a Canon versus a Sony, it's going to perform different. That's Um, crazy. Yeah, so we've been finding more and more that the only way to answer those questions is we're... um, trying to get customers to send us a project and then we can run it on something and tell you what it is because that's that's the only way i i, I wish there was a better way yeah uh, that that's it uh, we we can easily tell you with a benchmark like what cpu will be faster but telling you what it'll actually give you right oh sure the improvement from what you've got forward yeah. kind of thing. it's just it, it it's such an annoying thing but. <laughs> yeah Man, that's it's crazy to think too that different like camera manufacturers just do things differently because yeah. I think you were saying it's like how they approach the standard, right? The H two sixty four. Everybody can build their own wrapper as long as it comes out. The yeah, right essentially. Way. I mean, because H sixty four and H and HEVC are especially difficult because. Um, Oh man, I really shouldn't get into this too much. But basically, like ProRes or something, every frame is its own. Like it's just like pictures. It's right. a whole bunch of pictures. H six four and HVC, it's actually recording. Like, okay, well, the first frame is a picture, and then like the next, say, ten frames are actually how that picture changes over time. Mm-hmm. But like, well, do you only do the next ten frames, or is it the next twenty? When do you start like start that process over? <laughs> you know, different cameras will do that differently. So yeah, it's it's all just it's it's just a crazy mess uh but some i'm not sure how to interpret this uh, statement but he, he says that uh when exporting adobe premiere projects only 32 gigabytes of ram is used even though they have 64 great and uh problem? ram yeah ram usage it's kind of like storage on your hard drive um if it's only using 32, then that's all it needs. Um, there's there's no benefit to somehow forcing it to use more. It's like saying, um, you know, I have this video, it's 500 megs. Why isn't it filling up my two terabyte hard drive? Um, like you okay. don't want it to. It, it should right. take up how much space it needs. Done. Okay. Um, so it's, it's the trust the process, I suppose. Yes, kind yeah. of trust the process. You know yeah, what it's doing. Okay. What's harder to see is like it loading up like one core of your CPU and the whole rest are idle. Like that's, that's a like optimization thing that like, you know, but even that, like you've got to also look at everything else. Like, is it only loading up your CPU a little bit because your GPU is actually full your, or your mm-hmm. GPU is hundred percent load or also even too, like we see, I see a lot of people say like, Oh, my CPU is only at 40% and my GPU is at 20%. Like something's wrong. It's like, no, that's actually right. Because your CPU is doing a whole bunch of work and then it offhands some of it to the GPU and then it kind of bounces back and forth. So like you don't want something to be a hundred percent because hundred percent means it's a bottleneck. Yeah. Yeah. That's, which I was running into that with a hard drive a while ago and that was crazy. So, 
Uh, no need for a name says that optimization for H.264.5 is pretty solid nowadays. Yeah, so. it is. With all the, the deep decoding stuff, the hardware decoding, um, yeah. like we're, I, I don't know if you're at the beginning of the stream, but the, there are like flavors of H.264 and HVC that don't support hardware uh, decoding or, or encoding like uh, 422, I think often isn't in 444. Mm-hmm. So you do still have to be careful. But yeah, if, if your system su- or if the hardware supports it, like, yeah, it's really not that bad. Um, I keep I'm on a whole bunch of uh, subreddits on Reddit, like editors and video editing, Premiere Pro and all that. And it seems like the default answer to any like I'm having laggy playback is, well, it's because you use an H.264 and that's wrong and it's terrible and you need to use proxies or you need to transcode. <laughs> it's like, no, guys, guys, calm down. Like that was true like two or three years ago. But you can get a lot now, like update to the later versions of Premiere Pro, get GPU decoding and you'll probably be fine. Like for your own studio drivers. Yeah, but like we benchmark, I think it's like 150 megabit H.264, like, and like, that's about the worst that most people are going to be. And like 2x speed even isn't that big of a deal, even, you know, going fast or doing, you know, some multi-cams. Well, again, we're talking about number of streams that are supported is also a thing. But yeah, it's really not as bad as people make it out anymore. That's good. Because well, I mean, that's, that's good because that's, the the vast majority of people who are even just hobbyists are probably recording in that with their cell oh, phone. Oh, hobbyists, hundred percent. Hobbyists, hundred uh, percent. I'm always amazed at how many like even professionals are using it. Like people, you know, shooting TV commercials. Like probably not like film. Film, you know, you should oh, not be using it for it. But like you know, people like our, our own like YouTube videos that we shoot for different things. Um, you know, those are always used for and. You know, even the bigger guys, like I'm sure like Corridor Digital and those guys, they use mostly H.264. And it's because like it it works. And as long as your hardware can keep up, like, why not? Like, And then you also have those YouTubers that are like shooting in Red 8K. It's like, why? That was an interesting talk with Ren about about that. Um, This is just silly. It's especially especially if you're uploading to YouTube, you probably shouldn't even be exporting at 4k no yeah there's 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 no point to be shooting i mean there there are reasons to shoot at higher resolutions if you want to be able to do like you know digital you know reframing you know zooming in and all that kind of stuff because you don't know what you want while you're shooting like ideally you'd know what you want and you do it all in camera reality doesn't always line up with what you you know ideal so Mm -hmm. it gives you a lot more freedom to shoot in higher res but like yeah, why why shooting red raw yeah. for YouTube? <laughs> uh, oh, this is a good question because it deals in, with quick sync. I think does getting the no or oh, uh, Jason Ferris on on Facebook he asks does getting the no video version of the new Intel CPUs make a difference for encoding or, or decoding H two sixty four and five? Yes and no. Um, it's it's a really interesting topic actually. So if you get the version of the Intel CPUs that has video, that means it has quick sync. And um, so like Premiere Pro and DaVinci Resolve, whichever ones you want to use, um, they can use either QuickSync or your GPU. So performance wise, QuickSync and like using NVIDIA GPU, it's about the same. Honestly, it's it's pretty much identical. Um, so performance wise, yeah, you could say I'll just use my GPU instead. The problem is that that's loading up your GPU now. And um, so like if you want to apply you know, a bunch of GPU effects or especially if you want to do like noise reduction on the fly, that means that you're not going to be able to add, do as good because part of your GPU is having to handle, you know, the, the decoding, e- even though that's being done on a specialty chip, it still slows down everything else. Um, so the advantage you get by having a CPU with quick sync 
is you can use QuickSync to do the decoding and reserve the GPU for all that other stuff. Um, the other thing it lets you do, uh, so one of the things we found is that in Premiere Pro especially, if you're using GPU decoding and you have H.264 as your source footage and you're also exporting to H.264 or HVZ, either way, um, it basically bottlenecks the GPU. So it's still faster than using software encoding, but you get even more performance if you only use the GPU for exporting, the encoding, and not for the decoding. So what you can do is in Premiere Pro, you can tell it use QuickSync for decoding, and then it'll automatically use the GPU for encoding so that you don't have that bottleneck, you don't have to worry about it, and so you get great playback performance and your exports are gonna be faster. So I think it's worth it to get the model with GPU. The iGPU, I should say. Yeah. So he goes on to comment. So both the GPU and QuickSync can happen at the same time. And how? kind of, um, it doesn't. Technically, it's not doing the same thing. So, like, if you're doing decoding, Premiere Pro will either use QuickSync or uh, the the GPU. And I'm actually not sure which it prioritizes. I think it prioritizes using GPU first and then QuickSync. Uh, but in Premiere Pro, in the preferences, you can tell it which you want it to use. So I would say you disable using the GPU and the preferences and it only uses uh, Intel uh, for decoding. And then when you go to encode, I think it, again, it'll default to using your GPU first and then fall back to QuickSync. So in that case, what it's doing is it's using Intel to do the decoding and then the GPU to do the encoding and that gets you the best for both worlds. You aren't like losing any performance. Uh, the other way you can do uh, that we tell people is um, just route all your exports through media encoder, which I mean, there's a lot of advantages to doing that anyway, but, and then in media encoder, just turn off GPU decoding entirely. It usually doesn't make that big of a deal because most of the time spent when you're rendering a video is the encoding step, not the decoding. Um, so you could just do that that way too. So you get the fastest renders through media encoder, but you still benefit from the GPU and like live playback in Premiere. Nice, right on. Uh, okay, and then we have another question from Twitch. How much of a bottleneck can a, a budget motherboard be? I'm having issues getting thorough info in the audio card area for some of those budget motherboards. Can I just assume the worst? Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I'd call a budget motherboard a bottleneck. I, I think like sometimes like performance wise, because usually bottleneck I think performance. I think yeah. some of them like they might not allow like as high of turbos or as long as turbos. But yeah, I think the main thing is exactly what you're talking about, just like problems. Mm -hmm. Like by far, motherboards are the highest failing component that we put in our workstations, and we use high quality motherboards, like yep. the best you can get. Um, and they're by far the highest failing component in our entire product line because they're just insanely complex. They just yeah. have like so much going on with them that any one part can break and it can just take your whole system down. Yeah. So I would not skimp on motherboard. The, the nice thing with motherboards is you can often get multiple upgrades out of it. You know, if you get a motherboard, uh, that's why I only ever upgrade on actually first gen stuff. Like not when it first comes out, but like a couple months later, because mm -hmm. usually you can get like the next CPU or the next GPU or next couple of CPUs you can like pop in and then sell your old one. Yeah. Um, so that's why I tend to spend a little bit more on motherboards, even myself and we do as a company, because like, it, you know, if you're talking about how much time 
is your computer saving you or how much more efficient is it making you? Mm-hmm. I would rather have a more reliable motherboard and a CPU that's 5% slower because like that motherboard, if it causes like an extra blue screen or oh, my system yeah. to go down, and I have to send it in for repair for a week. Oh man, that's so much money lost. Yeah. From every, every step of the process, it like, and then having to, if, ugh. Just I'm thinking about the poor repair guy who's got to swap the board or like or even if even if you're doing it yourself, like if you're even a DOIer, it's even worse. Like, what are you going to do? Take the motherboard out, send it to a Zeus or Gigabyte for RMA. It comes back in like three months with the BIOS updated. Yeah, they upgraded the BIOS and then there's no actual fix and it still has got the same problem. Like, oh, that sucks. (laughs) At least like buying a. I, I guess this will be a plug for future systems. At least we have to deal with that, not you. And we just I, give you a new board while we RMA the board yeah. and we make sure it works. Yeah, it's well, it's all it always comes back to time when we start yeah. talking about pre-builds. It's like, where do you how much do you value your time and where do you want to spend it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and that just applies to life, too. It's not even just computers. Like even mm-hmm. myself, like we're, we're starting a kitchen remodel and like I'm going to pay someone to do the things I don't want to do. I don't yep. want to crawl in a crawl space and do the plumbing uh, or the electrical, really, because like oh, that's kind of dangerous. Uh, but I will do like, yeah, I'll, I'll demo the old cabinets. Sure. Like oh, yeah. to me, that's fun. Demo's like, hitting off. things with a sledgehammer. Sure. <laughs> I'm not going to pay you $800 to do that. Uh, okay, yeah, we covered the bottleneck question, and this one might be complicated or in-depth. So what is the difference between HEVC and H.265? Nothing. They're the same thing. Oh, okay. Uh, it, yeah, it, it's uh, just H.265 and HEVC. HEVC just stands for, like, high-efficiency video codec. Um, it's just another word for it. Oh, okay. So they are yeah. the different labels. Same thing. Okay. Yep. I was expecting a deep dive into codecs and stuff, and nope. I was a little afraid. Because I, I don't know. What are they going to do with like H260 or H2, wait, H256, I think is the next one. I think there's already talk about it, but like, are they going to call that like EHEVC, extra yeah. high efficiency video codec? Huh. <laughs> uh Here's an interesting one. Just out of curiosity. Oh, this is from Charles Snippy on YouTube. It says, just out of curiosity, have you guys taken a look at the Barco OpSpace technologies and how they are utilizing special technologies of encoding, decoding to assist in control center tech? Cool never, stuff. Never heard of it. Interesting. I'm trying to do a quick Google. Yeah. Uh, control center tech. Like It looks um, like it might be like kind of similar to like IPKVM. So it gives you access to multiple machines from one spot. Interesting. You might okay. have to give us a little like a summary of, of what they're doing for us to really talk about that. Cause yeah, I haven't heard of this. Well, we it it sounds, it sounds like it's like multiple machines through one thing. Um, which that'd be cool. Maybe we should look into that for our install space. Right now, yeah. they just have a giant wall of monitors because we want to be able to see everything all the time so you can see if like something kind of freaks out. Um, and then we route the keyboard and mouse through a KVM, like an eight-port KVM. But. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Uh, Jason Ferris asks, can Media Encoder be set up to use multiple machines, kind of like a rendering RAID? I don't think so. You resolve, resolve will do that, right? Uh, I don't think Resolve will do that. No, um, After no, Effects, you can do that. Oh, okay. okay. Um, but I think, so what I've heard some people do for situations like that where they need faster uh, render times, um, usually it's with pretty complex projects like a, a full movie. And what they will actually do is they will separate um, 
like by by scene or by section or whatever actually into their own project files mm -hmm. and uh and because you can import project files into another project i believe in like premiere pro uh but basically they separate them that way or separate them by sequence and then they send um those they put into like watch folders like on a nas and then multiple machines can put look in there and they're all looking at different watch folders it's like this one will render this section because you've set it up as a sequence, separate mm -hmm. sequence, and that one will do that one, that one, that one, and you end up with you know a whole bunch of called ProRes videos that then you can transcode together, and that's way faster. So I think that's the only way you could do that. That's pretty complicated and requires a lot of setup, and it requires like manual setup. Uh, sure. But I don't think there's any sort of um, automated way. Maybe Resolve will. I see Hakon was saying it'll do a render from setup. I, I remember. I remember seeing when I was still in production, like the free version of resolve, you can only use one GPU. The, and then it steps up where, yeah. um, I think like by default on one system, you can use eight, but you can go somewhere insane when you start getting into multiple. I knew you could do multiples with like the super pro version, like many multiples of eight. Yeah. Um, it looks like doing a quick look um it looks like it's similar to what i was talking about doing a media encoder it's basically you set it up as a remote render mm -hmm. and then you have to allocate jobs so but i don't think you can send it like here's this one project and it'll like right. automatically split it up like uh like after effects AE render would do or like uh, they have all those plugins like render garden and all those guys yeah, yeah. i don't think it does it like that you'd have to send it like its own separate jobs mm. um and uh, and yeah low change your, your whole your whole pipeline's got to yeah set. and you could probably do that pretty quick at the end like um like you just basically take like a big old chunk and you say nest and then you take that nested sequence and instead um have that be the thing you actually want to export because i think nested sequences are actually just normal sequences in the uh, like project i think you can just render out that i don't know I, i've never done that this is kind of weird like it'd be cool <laughs> If you do that, write a guide for the internet because I'm sure you would get a lot of traffic, Jeez, <laughs> a lot of publicity. Yeah. Let us know. Right on. So we're just a minute over our hour. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that was great. We did a, I think we, I, I gotta say thank you everybody uh, in the audience for asking questions and stuff. This is, this is a big part of, this is the whole purpose of, of doing these, these Friday ones is to pick, pick the expert guy's brain and how to get, you know, yeah, solutions. Hey, remember, I don't even have to prep for these anymore. We get enough questions that like, I don't need to fill time. Yeah, it's great. So is there anything, one last little thing um, you'd like to mention or shout out or? Oh, I don't think so. Um, I mean, if if you we remember, we always have all those benchmarks. If you want to see how your system compares, um, a lot of our benchmarks are public now. Um, go to futuresystems.com slash benchmarks, I think, would take you to like our public benchmark listing page, which also has links then to all the benchmarks. Um and as always, like we have all of our normal hardware articles. We should have some coming up soon looking at like quadros. Um, and then, you know, when Rocket Lake comes out, we'll have articles for all those. You know, we always have new stuff coming out. That's right. Awesome. And of course, you know, workstations. You know, we sell those too. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you want some of that stuff, I guess, whatever. Uh, but all right. Well, thank you, Matt, for taking the time out of the day to joining us on the, our lab's open office hour. And, uh, thank the audience as well for taking time joining us today thank you thank you for all the questions and um you know hope you got something out of it and uh we do this sort of thing wednesdays and fridays 1 p.m pacific wednesdays we bring in outside experts um to talk about like their workflow tips and tricks advice on how they do their thing and uh, and then fridays we have 
our uh, member of our labs team. And soon we're expanding out to uh, consultants and support. Uh, we're going to start getting them on as well to help answer questions about, um, you know, stuff's broke. Yeah, broken stuff. Any sort of advice on on configurations? Um, just pick the brains. Get us. Give it yeah. an opportunity get you guys some some extra value out of it so um, honestly us like labs guys are really good at like cpu gpu performance the consultants mm -hmm. are really good about like all the other things like how much ram do i need how much storage how should i set up stuff Mm -hmm. they're way better at that stuff that's right so mark your calendars wednesdays fridays 1 p.m pacific and um yeah i think that's it and that's all so we'll see you guys next time see ya